0: Pictures in Pato. It's AJ here with David.
1: Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are
0: you? Yeah,
1: like I've been very open about my ailments so I won't bore the the listeners again, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This this lovely windy, rainy Sunday morning ready to talk Heartstopper.
0: Yeah, we're here to talk Heartstopper and what and the, the question of the podcast is what's gonna happen in Heartstopper 3?
1: Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm, listen, I w- would spoil anything, but I think I'm looking forward to it now, having just finished the tail end of season two than I was before. That's yeah. that. That's where that stand.
0: <laughs> yeah, so before we talk Heartstopper 3, let's talk about Heartstopper 1 and 2, because David's just... Well, you just finished your first watch of both, right? Yeah, just finished
1: my first watch of both. I think... Um, this this is a grower of a show is -hmm. how I frame it because see when I was watching season one right I was rolling my eyes quite a bit sometimes I was I was quite cynical I'm not gonna lie to you right uh and what I said to myself was you need to remember that you're coming into this as a 27 year old man right who has seen kush romances before (laughs) exactly um But what I I constantly told myself was, if I had seen this show when I was younger, I would have Mm. absolutely loved it. Like, it ate it up and thought, oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I feel seen. So from that perspective, season one, essentially, like, I understood the good of the show, even if it wasn't clicking with me on every level. Mm. Having said that, season two ups the ante. Yeah. And now I am, like, completely all in with the show because I think my problem with it was the conflict in season one. It didn't seem small to me, but yeah. you sort of have that knowledge, like, okay, this is all going to be all right, boys. You know, we'll, we'll Yeah, be it's before. a
0: slow burn. It's a slow burn. And, like, you have to remember that even though like us as adults were like oh it's all going to be fine in their high school brains yeah their world has fallen apart and we can all relate to being in high school and thinking that your life is going to change forever due to like who you hang out with and what happens and what people think about
1: you oh absolutely absolutely and i think that's that was something i had to remind myself of but what season two did well it just ups the conflict on uh-huh. every level not yeah. just for nick and charlie
0: the central pair every every storyline has jeopardy in it yeah
1: a hundred percent and that that's that's what i bought into and yeah so by the time we get to the last episode of season three i'm like there's so many storylines that i'm now completely tuned into it's not just nick and charlie's will they won't they will nick come out like there's there's so much around it that now colours the show and yeah I've went from this show is good but not for me to I can't wait to watch season three that's the, that's the journey I've been on I'm
0: glad so talking of just season one on its own or series one I don't actually know what you would call it <laughs> what were your thoughts well obviously you said it was like a bit of a slow burn, but what were your thoughts on the characters and the storylines, and why did it just not hit for you? I think that
1: here's here's the problem, right? The, the positives of it are, I think Kit Connor and Joe Locke have been perfectly cast. Yeah. In these roles, um, I think that think they've been absolutely stellar all the way through. I think Nick's character has always naturally to me just been the most likable through Kit's performance. The yeah. the problem I think I had in season one with Charlie's character was that he was always portrayed as the victim, like and uh-huh. always portrayed as, you know, someone who like couldn't stand up for himself and etc. Yeah. And we needed that start to get to the progression we see with Charlie. I completely uh-huh. understand that. Um but a part of me was just like, oh like like frustrated with it. You know? Yeah. Because I'm like, I hope this show isn't just, like, Nick has to stand up for Charlie, like, the full, like the full series. Um, and also, I think, with the conflict, some of the characters around Nick and Charlie, like, really, really grated in me with their uh-huh. reactions to it. And I, I will not bash William Gow, the actor. Uh-huh. He is doing the job that has been given to him, AJ. Yeah. But I want to make this crystal clear that Tao is a character who just annoys the shit out of me. See,
0: right. Heather said the same thing, but I liked Tao because I think it was a very realistic representation of how you feel when your friend group is like starting to fall apart and like people are like getting boyfriends and girlfriends and you're just like raging about it.
1: It's not just that. <laughs>
0: like they yeah. know what that is right. And I'm
1: seeing this as a guy on a film podcast. It's like everyone's like, Oh, you're into like weird indie films. And he keeps talking about Donnie fucking Darko. So that's yeah. that's prime one for me. Like yeah. that's where I was all, that was all out. But I do think his reactions like are always at the extreme end.
0: Yeah. He's very film. emotional character.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, do you know what makes it worse? is because he's always sharing the screen with Elle, who is like my favourite character in the (laughs) show. And then you have that juxtaposition of Elle, who's always handling things with such grace and dignity and thinking logically about the situation and finding sort of solutions to it and handling things in the right way. And then Tau's just there. Coming in like a hot mess, shouting at everyone for no yeah. reason. Like, and I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying the reason I did like I wasn't on board with season one was tout. I'm not putting it all on the one supporting character. What I am saying is, I think he was indicative of not being able to tune into that high school mindset and that high school. Yeah, because
0: he's very like hot headed. Like wears his heart on his sleeve, says what he thinks. Whereas I think L, like you said, is like is a more considering person but I guess that also is more like showing of their personalities whereas Tau's like very much you get what you get you're the friends you don't like yeah whereas L is is got is like got layers
1: yeah yeah 100% I think it has been Finny's performance is a Uh-huh. It's, it's outstanding, and she has a brilliant career ahead of her. And I just want to say this: she was also outstanding in that Doctor Who special um, as mm-hmm. well. Have I'm you, you watched that yet? yet.
0: I've not seen it yet. No. Oh
1: my god! Like I didn't think I'd get back on board with Doctor Who. Not to not to say like this, but I am I'm going to watch Shooty's uh, season now.
0: Yeah, me too. I've not watched Doctor Who in a long time, but we I used to literally be obsessed with it. Like count up the days till the next episode. Like, I loved Doctor Who and I loved Sierra Jane Adventures and I feel like I'm so excited for this new one.
1: Anyway, I've sidetracked you here. (laughs) I'll let
0: you get his back. So, back to Heartstopper. So, yeah. Tau is your least favourite character. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, quite easily. (laughs) Apart from, right.
0: Mine is obviously Ben.
1: Ben. Uh, Yeah, apart from Ben Hope. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Ben is just... Criminal, but also like you like I don't like obviously don't see his side, but I can see him being a real person. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, his actions and his character is not unthinkable in a British high school. Do you know what I mean?
1: No, a hundred. I think that's the strength of the character. Like, the best villains are the ones you understand their motivation. Like, yeah, like that's...
0: he's like self-hating, like doesn't know what to do, like. To be honest, like, obviously, as Nick and Charlie get together and Nick, like, struggles with coming out, like, going in more to the second series, you start of see the path, like, Nick, like, the path that you can go down if you're, like, and Ben's just the other option. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's decided that he doesn't want to come out, but now he's just, like, in- internalised all these like hateful thoughts about himself and being gay, and it's made him a nasty person. Whereas I feel like Nick can't really go that way because he's too nice. But also, everyone around him is much more accepting than you would think, probably in Ben's life.
1: Yeah, I and mean, then come listening, it comes down to sort of circumstance with it. I think. Yeah. Like it's a very real portrayal of coming out that sometimes people are under the circumstances that there's a lot of self loathingness involved in yeah. that process. I think what this show does very well is that you can't make excuses for turning your self loathing into someone else's pain though.
0: Exactly. You know?
1: And yeah. that's that's the villainy of, of Ben Hope is that he's he's let himself spiral so far and caused so much damage to, to sort of Charlie's life by the point that we come in that yeah. redemption as far as Charlie's concerned is impossible like for him but by the time we leave Ben Hope in season two because I don't think he's actually coming back for the third season especially the regular Um, by the time we leave Ben we have that wonderful shot of like the flood or the rainbow flood coming out of the art exhibit and him turning away like just before it reaches him you know and Charlie's lying at I hope you become a better person but I do not want to be there to see it. It's, yeah. it's really healthy. It's a, the one thing Heartstop for shows is really good lessons. Like you don't yeah. need to compromise your boundaries for the comfort of someone else, but you can still acknowledge that that other person has a story that they need to fulfill, you know? Yeah. So I think I think that's the, the good case of Ben Hope. He was a pantomime villain, villain when we needed him to be, but now that the show's growing and there are more layers being added to it, it is nice to see a sort of, like, uh, more in-depth analysis of the character yeah. from the writers today. It's
0: like um, It's like, yes, people can be bad, but it doesn't mean they're bad people. They're just going through something. And, like, yeah. he's definitely going through something that isn't what the stuff that he does to Charlie isn't excusable, but you can yeah. see how he got there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the strength. That's the strength of any show. You can go from, you know, Thanos down, you know, (laughs) like like, it doesn't matter the scale of it, as long as you understand why a villain is doing what they're doing. The villain
0: origin story. That's what you need
1: yeah hundred percent because motivations are what makes villains interesting characters. like there's nothing worse than if just like a villain comes in and is like, I'm bad for the sake of being bad you know there's no yeah. there's no interest there you
0: know? <laughs> exactly, and I feel like we've lost Ben now as the villain, and mm. for for series two, I think later on in the series, it's more just they've all got their own problems going on so that we don't need a villain anymore.
1: But I disagree with that. I know who I, I know who I think the villain is.
0: Who's the villain?
1: That that fucking mum, like uh, Darth oh, yeah Darcy's mum.
0: Obviously. Oh my god. Obviously, but no, I mean like of the people of their age, there's no villain.
1: <laughs>
0: I feel like <laughs> yeah. the adults in, in the show are like just peripheral outside characters apart from the teachers.
1: Oh, can we talk about them for a second?
0: Yeah, we can.
1: I think they're the reason I really got on board for hard stuff yeah. for to do.
0: two. I think series two, like obviously if you if you've read the books or read the comics or whatever, I haven't, but Heather has, so I get I get to hear about them all the time. I think as the characters grow up, the content of of the show will will get it gets just more and more adult as you go through. And yeah. I think the touch of the teachers in series two really gives it an edge of having something a bit like another layer to it where you're like oh like this is a bit more exciting because until this it's just been like every time they look at each other there's like a bubble or touching hands and there's a bubble but the teachers bring a bit more of an adult theme to the second series which I think is good.
1: Yeah 100% but listen I loved um, Mr Ajaya uh, in season one the art teacher because yeah. it was nice to have you know, this friendly gay presence in Charlie's life took yeah. it nice. But then when Mr. Farouk comes in, yeah, and we start getting the scenes with those two, like my heart melted.
0: Yeah, like every scene that. is like filled with like fun, tense, just tense this. And it's just it's but it's the same sort of slow burn, slow builds that we have with Nick and Charlie in the first series, but yeah. just with two. Like teachers, and they're just like constantly having this like fun back and forth. Well, they won't, they that goes on. Well, I feel like the rest of the actual like teenage characters are having more like sort of emotional intense crises where they're having the well, they won't, they fun.
1: Yeah, but they've they've also been through it. I think. uh,
0: Yeah, of
1: course. Nima Telegani, who's the actor who plays Mister Farouk. I think is so strong, like yes. coming in season because he comes in like again caricature. You kind of would expected from season one, perhaps. Yeah. But the see when he has the scenes, like when they're just talking one on one and being quite tender. There's a major implied history with the character. Yeah, he gets across just with a couple of looks and a couple of lines. Like yes. you know the story of where that character's been almost already to get to that point. And I think that one of the strengths of this show, like, it's extremely well-made, extremely well-shot and all that jazz, right? But they have, the actors in this show yeah. really bring it and elevate the material they're given. That's just one example. But I remember watching them; like, it's hard to get impressed, like, as you get older with acting because it's like you're seeing so much of it. If that if that makes sense? Yeah. But I sat there thinking, like, mate, you're really good for this <laughs> <Like, good> job. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because there is like, like those moments where they're just literally sitting talking, like it's literally the acting and the way that they portray the script that brings the sort of tense and like the depth to the conversation. And yeah. I think that they do it really well, and just the eye contact that they have is really the chemistry between the two of them.
1: Yeah, really good chemistry. Really good. Chem- yeah. More of them in season three, please. That's I'll Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I know that that's our That's our first thing for what's going to happen in season three. I need more of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I need. I also need to see the other half for the the PE teacher as well because she's great. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and I also think it's so good to have these like older like representations of queer characters in the show because I think it's so easy to be like, oh, these are all like young teenagers and they don't know what they're doing, but then they've got these sort of people around them that's like affirming them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Role models.
0: Exactly. The role models. Now, talking about season two, how do you feel in season two about Tau? Since in season one, you found him extremely annoying. What about in season two?
1: He grows. Um, yeah. He does he does have that growth. I'm glad that... Well, he still... the, the first, It's the season of two halves for Tau because the first half of the season where he's like, oh my God, me and El aren't going out. Like, we should just stay friends. No, our friendship means too much to me. I was like, cool. please, please shut up. Like, yeah. please, please shut up. <laughs> like, I've had enough of that. <laughs> However, like, I'm I'm glad that we've finally seen Tau at the end of his growth in this arc because he, he, he deals with his feelings for El leaving. He's like, I understand how I'm feeling. He tells Nick why he thinks he feels this way with his dad's death and stuff like that. And yeah. really comes to terms with this this issue he has about people leaving him yeah, in his life. So by the yes. time El tells him at the dance, I'm leaving to London, where season one Tao would be like, oh, that's so selfish. I can't yeah. believe people are leaving me. Now he's like, I know. And he's had yeah. that acceptance of it. So yeah, uh, Tao is a character who, I'm now more on board with than ever, AJ. Yeah, if that's if that's what you want to hear,
0: <laughs> that is what I want to hear. And how do you feel about their relationship? Do you think they're well suited? Are you happy that they're that they're starting to get together?
1: I think they're well they're well suited for the time. I for the time. I don't I don't know where the story goes. Like you haven't read the comics. Uh-huh. I I don't know if Ellen Tower sort of Endgame in the situation because part of me says no because part of me wants Elle to sort of ride off into the sunset yeah and almost like a butterfly from the cocoon go from because this has been like the their friendship group is clearly like brilliant like Uh and a real sort of safe space for all involved but if Elle's going down to London with like and this amazing art college and stuff like that and all the opportunities and the people she's going to meet there part of me just like like a, again coming at it from where I am now in life I'm like just go and, go and thrive and go and pro- prosper you know? yeah. and don't, don't let any sort of team romance hold you back from that yeah. you know? so, so in season
0: 3 you sort of think that Elle's going to go off to London and then they're going to do this sort of long distance difficult thing where there's like distance and gap between them because Elle's enjoying this like new fun life, meeting all these people and Tau is just stuck. Long distance never works.
1: Yeah, long yeah. distance never works. The thing is, I'll say this, I don't know how long the show can hold on to Yasmin Finney. All of these actors yeah. I think they'll have a much <laughs> trouble with going forward because they're all going to get snatched up in places but Yasmin yeah, yeah. Finney especially I think uh, has star. Written all over, like for me personally, she just.
0: I agree. I think like maybe season three might might be her last. It should be because you look at
1: Elle's story, and it's like what you're saying. If they try the long distance thing, I think that that offers closure to the fans who would like to see Elle and together, and it explains why not. But realistically, where does Elle go from there? Do we do we get Elle in London? you know, just with our own stories, which I wouldn't be averse to, yeah. you know, but it would just mean that it becomes Heartstopper and then here's the L side missions. Yeah, well, weekend.
0: I think, from what I know, I think, like, the next book and series deals with that everyone is about to start applying and going to uni and leaving and going to college, and it's all about the separating of your yeah. high school clique so i think there will be a lot of that and it's like is that where it ends or will we get sort of i don't know if it then starts to divide up into we're following Elle on her journey we're following everyone on their journey like finding their own in uni or does it then just sort of disperse and we stay on nick and charlie in their universe
1: yeah yeah it's tough i think um like the what I don't want it to do and this is a much better show don't get me wrong I don't want it to become what Glee became and that
0: uh,
1: yeah all the, when all the when all the initial casts <laughs> and this
0: is a much better
1: show <laughs> it is a much better show I, I, yeah. I don't want to make that crystal clear um but when all the characters left Glee at the end of season three the show really struggled to find its identity after that
0: yeah but also see when that happened i own like see when we were jumping between all the different stories i only wanted to be in was it new york with rachel and kurt and santana Santana. i only wanted to be in that storyline and then it kept on jumping back to the school and i was like no i wanted to do it yeah
1: Yeah, and then like, because what I don't want is like, oh, we get the hard stopper, the next generation of kids,
0: because
1: we've seen that, and I'm happy to be proven wrong as always. But we've seen that doesn't work uh, just from our prior experience with that show. I think to answer your question, going forward, should season three be the end of it? One thing that I like about, and we've talked about this in the podcast recently, with only murders in the building. One thing I like about UK TV is that. We know to end things when they're good. Yeah,
0: you know? <laughs> drag on for a thousand seasons.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. We know, like you know, cut like cut and run while you're ahead. I would like to see Heartstopper end at season three. Or the thing is, the cast has grown up faster than they can sort of like shoot yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't be averse to do season three they leave high school and then end it with season four and do a time jump yeah. um, season where it's just like okay now we're like four or five years in the future and they're just leaving uni sort of thing yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't be averse to that but my gut sort of tells me end it with season three and and let it just sort of like have this brilliant trilogy of seasons at that point
0: yeah well Alice Osmond obviously has loads of Spinoffs, so I can sort of see that this like Heartstopper storyline ending with series three, yeah, and then us getting another series about one of like the other storylines. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: what, what spin offs are there? Now I'm intrigued. What what spin offs are there?
0: Well, not spin offs, it's just, um, there's loads of different comics that aren't just about Nick and Charlie, right? Okay, so let me see. Get getting up. Yeah, because there's... No, it's all right. I'm just having
1: a, a look. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about yeah. that, that I did enjoy was, I'm trying to think of his name. And I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's like, he's constantly been on the periphery. Of the greatest Isaac. Is Isaac. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Isaac was my favorite character in, in season one just because I feel like like I feel like when you're in high school and everyone's like got main character energy, but you're like the yeah. quiet shy one. Yeah. And I feel like Isaac makes being the quiet, shy one really cool because you want to know more, but yeah, you never get to know more. And then in, in season two, he really comes into his own finding himself as well.
1: Yeah, and there's there's more for the actor to do there as well. Like, there's more range to be shown. Like, because obviously a lot of us by that point are... And it's kind of a criticism of the show in the way you watch a romance we are just, like, shipping. So when the yeah. boy comes on the scene, it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait for them to get together. Isaac's going to be so happy. And then Isaac kind of deconstructs that, like, I don't need this to be happy. Like, what if I don't feel it? like stop forced missing other people romance isn't voyeurism almost like that he sort of like comes at it from that so then by the time yeah. you get to the finale and he picks up the the book on asexuality which i think is a brilliant visual considering he's always got a book in uh-huh. his hands um, and he sort of hugs it tightly to his chest like perfectly told subplot within season two there's no notes for me on
0: that one yeah i think it's a great one and it's got lots of like nuance i think is important because I feel like yeah I feel like as an audience you're just like oh everyone should just get together but then you need to be like no like that's not some people don't want that and we just can't just ship everyone together at all times do you know what I mean
1: yeah well the one problem I actually do have uh, with season two is I am not sure about um imaging and what's her face um, I can't remember her name she plays guitar in the finale
0: oh right yeah I'm just
1: like did, did we need this on top of all of the romances we already have
0: no I, I agree I think we've got enough cute little yeah. romantic storylines
1: yeah and, I, and Imogen Wright for me was the most hilarious character in the show because of how much she kept putting her foot in her mouth yeah like, throughout the first Tuesday, especially season two. Like, you know she's coming at everything from a good place, but keep yeah. saying the wrong thing. Like,
0: it, I, think that, the- I thought that was really sweet because I feel like in in like this day and age, in high school, I feel like now because it's so normalised and open that a lot more people will be coming out than when we were at school. And I think it's yeah. great to have like an ally character in there who doesn't know when to say the right things because... You, you're you just learning along with everyone else,
1: yeah, 100%. But it was still hilarious, like, yeah. It's still <laughs>
0: hilarious <laughs> like, when I she was like, Oh, standout oh. stand cameos in this. Like, Olivia Coleman is fucking insane. In this, I, I think most of the budget must have gone on her, but she, all of her moments are hilarious,
1: yeah. And I think the, the thing with Olivia Coleman was like, the season one some scenes in season two, you can say, oh, she's kind of casting her check because she's just there to be Olivia Coleman, and she's yeah. the mom and she's sweet. But then when she's comforting Nick in season one and yeah. the, where you really see her stretch is a uh, season two, when the dad comes for dinner. Yeah, Because she plays that from the moment you see her on screen, she's cooking. Yeah. She's clearly uncomfortable from being there. And yeah, like, again, like yeah. when you can get Olivia Coleman in your show and the fact that at this point in her career she's still willing to take on these sort of like
0: she said that she she did it because she loves the story so much
1: yeah which is you know good good for her and i think there's a reason that everyone loves olivia coleman yeah and it is because of that attitude to wanting to tell really good stories like i can't think of an actress more beloved in the world right now yeah than olivia coleman you know I think, you know, and I'm happy for to get her flowers, but she does have a great presence in here, and yeah, yeah. it really, I also think it speaks to Kit Connors' talent, that he, from season one onwards, has never looked out of place acting in a scene with oh, the yeah, Oscar yeah, winner too. that is a Coleman.
0: you know? Yeah. My favourite bit with both of them is when, because I think it's so like, the acting is so good, but also it's so realistic, like where, like, Olivia as the mum is sitting playing on her iPad and she's she could be like pay, playing like Candy Crush or something. She's sitting on her iPad and Charlie's getting a drink from the sink and they're just having a wee chat. And then she's just like, Charlie's a nice boy. Um, not like any of your other friends. And he's like, Oh yeah, not really. Cause at this point, Nick has no idea that he likes Charlie. And yeah. then she's like, Oh, um, yeah he's just you're so yourself around around him you're not really yourself around your other friends and it's just that little sly mum comment that he really gets to gets nick because it makes him really think 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 of Charlie and why he feels so comfortable around him in a way that he never would have thought about if it wasn't for his mum being like yeah you're so yourself because he loves Mm -hmm. his mum and his mum's probably like his best friend up until this point
1: yeah, a hundred percent. I'm glad that we get the contrast though as well with, because the dad comes in. Yeah, and he's clearly a shit dad, but he's not. They don't. They refuse to go down the route of the dad's a homophobe on top of yeah. everything else. You know, uh-huh. which I did appreciate because he can still be a shit dad and a shit person while really not. You know, like being being homophobic. Yeah, we've already had that with
0: the brother too. Can't have the too bro- many in one episode. The brother... The is, brother's the villain, actually. The brother's the
1: villain. He's the fucking worst. Again, yeah. again, you have this element of understanding. Yeah. yeah. There's resentment there. And then that scene at the end is very telling. He's like, call me when you get back to Glasgow. And he's like, "Edinburgh," yeah. you know? And that's... There's there's motivation there, and I think he will be explored more in season three and that relationship will as well. But yeah. up until this point, like what he does at the dinner is fucking unforgettable. Imagine doing that yeah. in front of guests. Do you I know? Be, in fact, guests, AJ. You know? Like, I, I could never <laughs> I could oh,
0: And you can just, just know Olivia Coleman did not raise him like that.
1: <laughs> no, a hundred percent not. And the what I liked as well is Again, this is how so complex this sh- and well-written this show is. When the dad has a go at David and said, you're not the man I thought you would grow up to be, uh-huh. Olivia Coleman doesn't villainize him. At that point, even though he's been a dick, he's still her son. And he sa- yeah. She says you have no right to talk to him that way. So again, it's just like, it's so well-written with the layers and the clear motivations. Like, it's c- completely clear that Alice Osmond understands these characters to the nth degree. And yeah. what their motivation and the reaction would be to any given situation yeah. or line of dialogue. And combine that with how well shot it is and how well well acted it is. Like, yeah, I I was slow to get into it I, for the reasons we've alluded to. Uh-huh. But at this point, I can both appreciate Heartstopper for what it's doing for the younger generation, but also Enjoy it for myself as it gets more thematically rich.
0: Yeah. And I think like the older characters that start to get a bit more like we see a bit more of them in the series too, like with the older brother, and then obviously Tori, like Charlie's sister, like she's in it a bit more, and she obviously has a go at the brother too. And we see just a bit more of the like their dynamic. Like we know she's the protective older sister. Who's been through shit, but we see more of that in this series as well. And I think that I think the third series will see more of like as like the younger cast grow up, we'll see them interacting more with the older cast, like like we did. Yeah, last year.
1: yeah. And again, it's only going to get you know. I think we've got the seeds here for the eating disorder that and um, I think that'll probably
0: crop yeah up again. Be a big
1: storyline. In, in season three which I, I find hard to deal with like just personally like I've had mm-hmm. like my sort of my issues with like the attitude towards food and stuff like that so okay. when it started there was something so sinister about it and the way it yeah. was presented like and you, you noticing it with Nick I thought was very clever like looking at the photo where the food's not eaten like when he leaves the dinner and there's like yeah. a food plate there and stuff like that Um. Again, just a perfect way to to introduce this extra layer into it. Um, yeah, like, I think it's going to be, I think season three is going to be a bit of a tough watch, actually, yeah. in some respects. Like. <laughs> I
0: think, well, I, like, think about what we spoke about. We think there's going to be more sort of eating disorder chat. Then it's going to yeah. be everyone's leaving to go to uni. So yeah. there's going to be just be, like, lots of relationships under strain. More
1: Darcy well, and our mum as well.
0: Yeah and I think there's just going to be a lot more sort of like personal turmoil going on like a lot of what Charlie was feeling right at the start of series one like that he feels like he's not good enough and he feels like everyone hates him and all of that I feel like we're gonna get even though like I think it's it goes to show that like relationships and love don't fix everything because even though he's got the guy and he's with Nick and Nick's perfect and so nice and amazing it hasn't fixed his problems like he still needs help
1: he still therapy I hope Yeah. History, the answer
0: I think yeah. we all need therapy <laughs> I think everyone in the world needs help
1: we all do we all, we all really really do and I think um, yeah I think you're, you're 100% right in what you're saying I think it's a good lesson to teach uh-huh. Young people as well. In, in a romantic programme, mm-hmm. uh, what you just said, that love doesn't fix anything—because uh, everything because I think a lot of the time you see a, a romance film and it ends and it's happy ever after, you know? And everyone's We're,
0: happy. And- yeah,
1: like if this was a movie, it would have ended with Nick and Charlie getting together and yeah. it would all be tickety-boo. We're kind of going beyond the happy ever after at this point. yeah
0: where it's now it's now the issues within the relationship where it's like now you're together and you love each other but it doesn't make everything perfect like Nick still has his problems with his dad Charlie's got his own problems and the same with like the other relationships like everyone has got their personal problems that seep into what should be like a happy carefree relationship since they're only like what 16
1: yeah Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, and I think Tara and Darcy as well, like their storyline in this second series, was it was good to see more from them because in the first, first one, I feel like they're like, even though they've got their sort of coming out bit, they seem as a couple really like strong and happy and like, yeah. and Darcy's like obviously really proud. And then we start unpeeling those layers of, she is really comfortable with her sexuality, but it's causing problems at home, and it just shows that like nobody has it all. Like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's like we set up archetypes in season one to tear them down in yeah. season two. Like they were almost like the gateway gays uh, for for L and like and Charlie and Nick in season yeah. one. It's like come, come with me to this world of imagination. You know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be swell. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Um. And then, again, like you say, we're we're tearing all of that down. And I think season three is only going to do that more, you know, yeah. like we get to explore every character, what makes them tick. We're bringing more into the orbit, like we've talked about as well, like probably more development for even next brother. Like I would love Charlie's sister to get see a bit more as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was saying earlier when I was, like, talking about the spin-offs. One of the spin-off books is just about her. <gasps> also. So, um, So, like, I think that even if Charlie and Nick's story ends and they go to college or whatever, there are other storylines within the same universe that we could go down. But what
1: happens with me, her out of interest? Not to spoil anything, but
0: I don't know. I've not read the books. I just know that they are about like I think it's like the novellas, each of them follow oh. one of a different uh, each of them have a different character in the same universe as Nick and Charlie, but they don't focus on Nick and Charlie. So, like, the comics are mainly about Nick and Charlie and then all their friends around them and they yeah. go back and forth between each storyline, whereas the novellas focus on a character each. I think, but I've not read, I've only read. The Nick and Charlie one. So I'll get I'll I'll get Heather to let me know and then I will come back to you. Yeah,
1: yeah please, please let me know about it. Please let me know about it. I but
0: about it says that. here, yeah, it says here that solitaire is about Tory Spring and 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 she and what goes on with her.
1: Nice, nice. Well, I'm up for it. I'm up for it at this point. I'm up for it all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And then, yeah, and then there's another one called Radio Silence, which is in the same universe as Heartstopper, but it focuses on a a new character called Francis who discovers that the creator of her favourite fantasy podcast is her old neighbour, and they spark a friendship. So there are, like, other – it's in the same universe as Heartstopper with the same sort of probably side and peripheral characters – yeah, but I like to
1: make fan things out like that. Like,
0: yeah.
1: it's, a, it's a smart way to do it. Like, I think even if you just have, like, one or two characters cross over and things, yeah. like, you know, it's it's always fun, you know? But
0: it's <laughs> always, yeah, it's also very true to how what Heartstopper started as, which is a comic. Mm. and The comic has loads of characters that have their own sort of side missions, and they all yeah. just sort of start to fan out into this universe that they've created and yeah. that sort of brings me to my thing where my, my only question I haven't asked you is how do what do you feel about the style of the program oh
1: brilliant
0: like, like it's, it's shot very much like a comic and obviously it we've got the addition of the sort of animated elements that yeah. sort of show what how characters are feeling it's like show and tell sort of how characters are feeling at the time even though you could probably tell without the leaves and the rainbows and the little <laughs> but yeah. it adds that fun element to it i think it's
1: such a powerful visual it? it just yeah. is another storytelling tool in the arsenal <laughs> like we get the sparks when they're nearly touching like it's like even like the, the cloud of smoke uh, when darcy goes home like yeah. we see that before we see anything about our home life so it tells yeah. you tells you all you need to know like exactly. I, I think it's brilliant and it, again it just pay, pays testament to what like, you're saying what it started as so it makes sense in that way it's not just a random choice that creatively they've made um yeah no, nothing much more to add apart from what you said i love to say it just adds
0: it. special to it as well
1: it's unique yeah it's unique to the show
0: well i think that's us covered everything we've covered our predictions yeah
1: yeah i think yeah but have uh, you got who who would just a question for you? Uh huh. Is there is it a guest actor that you would like to see pop up in Heartstock? A
0: guest actor.
1: Yeah, by the time it ends. Because I would like if we're gonna get like an art student
0: uh-huh. for
1: for Elle, like I would love to see like a, a shitty Gatwa.
0: Well yeah, that's that was what I was gonna say, but I think you got come in as a teacher, not an yeah. artist. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: a hundred percent an
0: art teacher, like a really cool art teacher.
1: Yeah, give me, give me shooting Gatwa or Britain's Eurovision representative. Have you seen this? No. Holly Alexander is doing Eurovision next year.
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I thought were they not meant to do Eurovision this year? No, because it was that. What was her face? Who did it? I can't remember her name. I think, I think the name's been in the running for a while. Yeah. This is they've announced it yesterday that that's the uh, it's going to be all oh, Alexander who's uh, nice be, send, yeah send
0: as well. that's what, is what I'm saying <laughs> throw, in, throw in an American let's get Elliot Page on it or something
1: oh yeah oh yeah uh, Elliot Page would be great for this that's a like, that's yeah. a really good shout
0: Elliot really Page good. is like a, as like the head teacher of the art school or something yeah.
1: God, yeah, Elliot P. I'm rooting for that now, actually.
0: <laughs> now you've actually yeah. completely won me over with that one. <laughs> or like Neymar Martin or something.
1: Yeah, a few good choices. I just think it, it's interesting because we've had big name stars in it already. Yeah. You know, uh, like, oh, I've got Stephen Fry uh, as well. Yes. Uh, so might as well <laughs> throw another one in
0: there. So anyway... That is all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, David, for talking Heartstopper with me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I, I I love when I get to not host as well. It's always a treat, so thank you, AJ. <laughs> just
0: to, just shoot the wind.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It means that, because you can, you can only offer so many opinions as hosts, if I do you know what I mean, so it yeah. just lets me <laughs> go on longer.
0: Yeah, Heartstopper is a wholesome... Fun one to do on this cold, rainy Sunday morning. Yeah, 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 I've got so many hopes for se- season three. I think Heartstopper five, the comics, just came out this month. Um, so I think that would make part of series four if it did happen, because I think series three is going to be four, like three and four mixed together. Right. Okay. So okay. we're getting series three in May. <clears throat> So right. still a wee while to wait.
1: Well, we'll talk about it then after it comes out. <laughs>
0: we'll talk about it then, and we'll see if any of our predictions came true.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's it for us.
1: Bye. Yeah.